but I surround myself in really smart people. I can kind of look at things in a different light sometimes. I think that's my superpower of being able to, if it's been done this way for hundred years, cool. You do that, I'm going to zag. And I just go as fast as I possibly can, learn as much, break as much stuff. And then one out of 10, one out of 20 deals will and could surprise you, right? So do it. But if you aren't really willing to learn, and if you kind of pitch yourself in like, hey, I'm a junk bond guy, or I'm a convertible debt guy, or I'm just complete early trade venture. Or if you put yourself in a box, you are limiting so much potential. Well, I'm excited to welcome to the show, Jeremy Delk of Delk Enterprises. How are we doing, brother? Doing good, man. How are you? I'm looking forward to our conversation today. You and I were, you know, in the green room before uh, talking about the show, what you've been up to and man, over the 20 years of your, uh, obviously, investment and VC fund and uh, successful exits and sounds like some majestic failures along the way, some interesting stories that we can dig into today. Uh, I'm excited to, to to share some time with you. That being said, you know, for those that maybe don't know who you are and how you got into the world of entrepreneurship, investing, um, where did this all begin for you, man? Yeah, so I'm a small town kid from uh, Bardstown, Kentucky, we're the bourbon capital of the world. Still, uh, still, you know, support that local economy um, every uh, every <laughs> few nights. Um, but like, you know, grew up very much small town. Um, you know, big fish, small pond. I think an analogy. I lost my my, my dad when I was young. And I think that shaped a lot of um, who I am today. But um, I always had this vision to kind of want to do more, see more, be more. Um, to me, that just was New York. And through a pretty twisty tale, I started day trading at 17, um, went to school in Providence, and then ended up at uh, 19 getting a job um, uh, working investments. I was an equity, institutional equity trader with Fidelity Investments in Boston and then, and then to New York. So that was. Kind of, I, I ticked my my dream box at 19. I was living in the city at 20, and making great money. Um, after I blew up a bunch, which we can talk about. Um, so a lot of lessons there. But I quickly found that corporate America wasn't for me. And even though I was making more money than both my my mom and my stepdad combined, uh, and having a great life in Manhattan, um, I didn't feel like I think I I think entrepreneurship or any you know founder type mentality. Um, we're we're in, innately very creative, and when you're at a big multinational like institution, behemoth like uh, Fidelity, you don't get to be creative, right? Yeah. You, like you execute, execute, execute. So I was just finding myself hitting that wall. So I said, "Fuck it." I was young enough, and you know, was, I had enough money. And worst case scenario, I'd go get another job trading or go back. You know, I, I could have figured it out. So um, founded Delk Enterprises, which uh, was in 2000. Uh, one, 2001, I founded Duck Enterprises and uh, that's still my main fund and and runs all my companies now. That's amazing. So before we talk about kind of your fund and the journey that's transpired over the last 20 years, because I know you got some really cool stories there. When you kind of hit that first inflection point in your career and journey, you know, for the early stage entrepreneurs, investors, people that are really kind of trying to break out of this box and mold of mediocrity. What was it for you that you could feel like was kind of one of those moments that was, uh, you know, the exponential growth opportunity? And, and, and how did that come about? So I think, you know, and this is like a controversial topic of, you know, entrepreneurship, is it learned? Is it just embedded in, in our DNA? I would kind of lean towards the latter, but you know, before I started trading and went out on my own, um, I probably grew up a little quicker because my, my, my dad passing, I was seven. So that probably hardened me a little bit and kind of made me, you know, forced me to be a bit more wiser to the world. Um, I inherited $30,000 from, uh, from him, um, when I, you know, turned 18, I knew that was coming. And again, I told you my dream was to go to New York. So I was like 17 and you know, Bargetown, reading the Wall Street Journal, Investor Business Daily. This is 97. So like the internet's there, but kind of not. Raging Bull was like the the message board, which is like the Reddit, you know, a very, very low-tech Reddit um, that we were, I was kind of, you know, just immersing myself with so much information. And that was a very bull market, right? I traded that 
portfolio to just in, in about two years, um, just about $2 million um, from 30 grand. So it was pretty cool. Um, I was, you know, hot shot buying out the bars at, you know, 18 years old, you know, cause I had so much money. They just didn't care. I mean, I was just, I was killing it, living a very, very uh, great life, probably as a 35 year old. And, you know, I was a genius. You couldn't tell me anything. I knew everything, right? I mean, I'm making trades on my Palm Pilot and, you know, some <laughs> professor in econ is like telling me about, like, I'm like, dude, I fucking made what you make in a year while I'm sitting in your classroom, right? So take a testosterone driven 18 year old kid yeah, and then add money and cocky. I mean, it's just a fucking disaster, right? So, <laughs> so that's going to catch up at some point. And obviously, um, so it's impressive. I, I grew that portfolio in a couple of years. I blew it up in four days. Um, blew up two million bucks in four days, and that sucked. Um, at the time, I was dead. I mean, I, I thought I'm going to go home. I'm a failure. I lost not even my money. I lost my, my, the money that my dad left me. It was a really, really dark place. But I didn't have a safety net. Um, I. My mother loves me and I'm taking her to the, the races this weekend, the Derby. Like, I mean, it's a great relationship, but she didn't have the means to, like, she'd give me the shirt off the back and that was it, right? She couldn't save me. And the fact that I had my back against the wall, I was either going to feel sorry for myself or fucking, I bought a condo at the time. So I had bills, not like a college kid. I'd moved out my, my freshman summer. I bought a, you know, 20, uh, 20 uh, foot tall, like double state, uh, double fireplace ceiling, Mac daddy, you know, townhome. I had bills to still pay. and. I either packed it up, sold everything and went home or made it work. And that level of adversity and, you know, struggle really, I think, you know, it sucked, but I got through it. And that's how I ended up getting at Fidelity, um, which is a much longer story. But I think that was, for me, that was the one piece. And I think maybe I don't recommend all your listeners blow up a $2 million portfolio in four days. So you can learn this lesson cheaper. It's that think about the hardest time in your life that like, fuck, I can't believe this deal fell through. Or like the bank just called my loans or like this something. There's always been an event in, in every one of our lives, whether it's losing someone or business, that's like, fuck is over. Like that's the end of the world. But then think back, like you're still here and you got through it. So that's, I think for me is what gave me the courage. Like, fuck, I blew up 2 million in four days. I won't do that again. So like if I, I'm armed with that more, I'm licensed. I kind of got some work. Like I've rebuilt my suck. I have a better chance now than I did. And I still came back when I blew it up as a kid. So I think for me, that was the, the naivete that, um, and, and a little bit of, you know, comfort that, Hey, I was comfortable being uncomfortable. And, and, and I, I think I'm weird like that. I need to, I can't took my toe in something. I would have Delk enterprises never would have been what it is today if I did it passively. And that, unless I just like threw myself in immersed and like, cool. There's not an option, buddy. Fucking do it. Let's take a quick break and hear from today's show sponsor. Are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach can be a slow and brutal process. And in many scenarios, it's just wasting the time of both the buyer and the seller, especially when business owners who are trying to find qualified buyers are using inaccurate and outdated data. But it doesn't have to be this way. With LinkedIn Sales Navigator, your organization can overcome these challenges by leveraging this amazing technology and platform that translates comprehensive, high-quality buyer data into real-time insights and sales. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to much better outcomes like build and bigger pipeline with real customers leading to higher win rates and conversions, and of course, larger deals and paydays all around. We call this deep sales and LinkedIn has built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn sales navigator. Right now, our Millionaire Mindcast family has an amazing opportunity to try LinkedIn sales navigator and get a 60 day free trial at linkedin.com forward slash mindcast. That's linkedin.com forward slash mindcast for a 60 day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com forward slash mindcast and get started. And when you got to that, stage of it was, you know, pack up or go home. Like what, what was the process that you went through that kind of gave you the confidence and really the, the purpose to go out and pursue 
chasing those dreams versus just saying, hey, you know what? I lost, I failed, which I think a lot of people can relate to an experience, right? Hitting one of those those big roadblocks in life. And and so many people just go back to the default, hey, I'm just not meant for this, or I tried, but it's okay, go back and you know, live a mediocre life. Like what what was it that made you go down that path that you chose? Yeah, great question. I mean, I think again, it goes back into the framework of an entrepreneur or a founder, that mentality. It's, you know, for me, you know, well, first it was a couple of days of just, you know, Jaeger induced comas, right? If I tried just trying to get through it and watching Maria Bartiromo as my mind just went away. But after you get, you know, you, you just need to speed that process up. Grief and pain, that, that's a part of it. You, you can't skip it. Yeah. You can't. And if you do, it's going to come back with vengeance down, down the road. So let that play out. I just try to fast forward that shit. Like just, okay, cool. It sucks. Okay. Woe is me, but it's not productive. And I think that's a, the biggest component. I just look at productivity. Like, is this helping me at all? I feel, I've, okay. It's, I feel bad for myself. It happened. Oh, like, okay. But none of that gets you to the next step. Um, I think that, and just, you know, probably pride and ego. Like I refuse to fail. Um, and I, I, I think that it could have been a story. It could have been my story. Hey, I, a young kid from small town, Kentucky went to New York or went to, I didn't make it to New York at this point, went to Rhode Island, went to, went to school, you know, made a couple million dollars at 19. Like that's all impressive. Took a bet, lost, and then learned a lot and came back and had a, you know, lived happily ever after in small town, Kentucky. Like that could have been my story. And I don't know if it would have been the worst story, but I didn't want it to be fucking mine. Yeah, I know so many people that have had those kind of, you know, I call them the oh shit moments of life, right? And and going back to what you said a little bit earlier, I do believe, you know, entrepreneurship can be learned, but I, I really do believe it's something that's just built into people's DNA. And while I would love to see, you know, the world full of entrepreneurs, you need the entrepreneurs, you need the people that don't want to be entrepreneurs as well. But the people that listen to our show are built and designed for this shit specifically. Right. And there's, you know, there, there's different paths and different formulas that I think work for everyone. But I'm always very curious in the science and psychology around what works for each individual. What would you say when you chose to go to fidelity is kind of that that next step in the journey? Was that is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. What was it that allowed you in that kind of rebuilding phase, what was going on in your mind, your routine, your habits, your disciplines that obviously when you were doing that, it led you to Delk Enterprises, but that wasn't there yet, right? Yeah. So it's just about being open, right? I mean, I literally, I, I, mean, I wrote a book about it, but it's just about being open because I can give you a career between Inc. 500 companies, making millions, losing millions, you know, taking companies public, private. I, I can give you the highlight reel that's all bullshit, right? I mean, it's scoreboard and I'm a, I'm a scoreboard guy. Don't get me wrong, but it's all bullshit. And if you, you read these books or you hear these people talk about all these things, that's all like, that's the highlights. The shit that got you there is the painful, mm -hmm. twisty path, Rosen, and that's what I wanted to kind of share. So just be open is, is how I got there. Um, again, that's where I wanted to get. I wanted, when I was a small town kid in Kentucky, I wanted to get on Wall Street. I, I never thought I was going to go on Wall Street after I was day trading myself. Like, why would I go get a job? I can, I can run money myself. But after, you know, the four days of sulking and like feeling bad for myself, you know, I had a nine and a half percent interest mortgage from option one because I had a lot of cash, but I was a 19 year old kid with no income, right? I yeah. even, I'm like, I, so it's all capital gain stuff. So I had a predatory loan mortgage. I had um, a nice Grand Cherokee, you know, so I had, I had expenses. So besides tuition, right? So I had to go out and start hustling jobs. So I hustled, you know, Ford, you know, UPS, mowed lawns, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch. And my fourth job was right beside me was this apartment complex. So I was, every time I would rent a, an apartment or sign a lease, I got like a $500 commission. So I would go and we do these like little pool party mingles. And, um, you know, I was just a nice guy, but really I wanted to see like, hey, Matthew, do you have any friends that fucking, this is a cool place. Have you friends? It was lead gen, right? For me to try and get more comms. And somehow this guy was, he was a reload from, um, I think Cincinnati and he was going to be in the Boston office. So he was just temporary housing there with Fidelity. And I'm like, oh, really? He's like, yeah. So he, and he just totally dismissed me, the motherfucker. And he ended up, I love him because he ended up hiring me, but totally dismissed me. Like, oh, really? I know about the market, right? 
And of course you do, right? So he, he humored me for a second. Then I just started, I was on Qualcomm JDS Uniface, right? That was my tech stuff. And I just was in and out of that. So that sector, but especially those stocks, I mean, I could tell you, you know, opening and closing bell on those numbers. I was just in it. And uh, he's like, fuck, how do you know so much? So then it's like, okay, now the kid's got a little bit of a uh, swagger and, and a bit of, you know, feel for the market. And uh, then I told him what I did. He's like, well, I don't remember what he said. He's like, oh, were you naked? And I didn't even know what he was talking about. He meant like I was just trading completely exposed. I had no backstop options covered. No, I was, so, was self-taught, man. And he's like, um, if I were to give you an opportunity, would you, would you be interested in trading? I'm like, man, I don't even have my degree yet, bro. Like, I'm not even, I haven't even graduated. He's like, if I can get you an opportunity, would you do it? I'm like, fuck yeah, let's do it. And yeah, Tim Spitkovich was his name. And he gave me, uh, gave me the shot at the job. I love it, man. It's it's so crazy how, you know, that obviously was a very um big point in your your journey in your career, right? Cause it it did lead to Delk Enterprises. So obviously you were in Fidelity. Like when did you decide to get out of that kind of corporate world and start rebuilding and betting on yourself? So it was it was so I was um got the job. I still had to finish school. So I did night school, I had to study for the series seven, sixty-three, all that stuff. And that was like, I don't really read. I, I learned through, you know, you know, hearing the book to tape. I, I, that's just how I'm, I'm, I don't like to read, but you have to read that to, to consume that content. And man, it was like watching the replay of a fucking fight that you could have won if you only knew the tricks. Like, what? I had all these were all, I, I, I was like, yeah. But again, I didn't know him, so you can't get, get upset about it. But I was armed with so much more knowledge, uh, which was fun. And I learned a lot. So I was trading and, moving big blocks of stock. And it was really cool. And it was when I moved, I was working in Boston and then an opportunity came up to move to New York. Um, it was probably a year and a half in. I bet, you know, one of my lifelong friends was, it was the first guy I met was at Fidelity. He was down here with his family last weekend. And um, it was probably within that year and a half of moving to New York, absorbing it, loving it. And then me having just these great ideas and whether they were great or not, I don't know. But um, I just never got a, a chance to give them a go. And I think it's just because that corporate mentality, if you make it in those institutions, you can live a really good life. And, and that's how my, my, both my, my mom and my stepdad, they work for the post office, right? So upper middle class, they've got pension. Like it's just stability, right? So yeah. if, if you are wired that way at 20, you're at 20 at a fucking big firm like that, you're set. You will retire a multimillionaire have four weeks vacation and 2.3 kids. Like you're fucking done. Right? It's easy. Um, but fuck, it just, I just, I couldn't, I, I couldn't, I was just, I felt like I was dying inside. That's the best way I can describe it, which sounds a little morbid, but I literally feel like if you are an entrepreneur, a founder, and you work in corporate America, you can relate to what I'm saying. Cause you just go, you have, you are, all these ideas are flying and hitting things. And then you're like, no, no, no. And just like you're hitting your head against the wall. I really felt myself start to die a bit inside. I'm like, if I don't get out of this, I'm going to lose who I am. And that was the, the thing. I had no idea what I was going to do. I was doing spec building. I was doing some real estate development. I, my buddy was doing a little bit of, um, I had a building materials company. And that's how it, that was probably the, the piece that gave me the, the, you know, the confidence to, hey, I'll, I'll go start this thing. And when you were then now starting to get into Delk Enterprises, like when did it really start getting sexy? Obviously, you've been on Inc. Inc. 5, you know, 100 multiple times with multiple companies, like talk about the evolution of like going from um, just an entrepreneur to uh, I'm a fund, I'm an investor, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm making real money. A lot of failures. I mean, my first year I made six grand. My apartment was 7,500 a month. So do the math. So I, again, more motivation, kind of beat to the fire, figured out, buddy. But it's, it's really this mentality of, of just being open. Like my daughter was sick today, so I stayed at home, but I still did a conference call with the deal I'm looking at with AI and T-Mobile, right? So I don't know, I don't pretend like a lot of people know everything about everything. I don't know shit about shit, but I surround myself with fucking really smart people. I can kind of look at things in a different light sometimes. I think that's my superpower of being able to, if it's been done this way for a hundred years, cool. You do that, I'm gonna zag. And I just go as fast as I possibly can learn as much, break as much stuff. And then, you know, one out of 10, one out of 20 deals will, um, will and could surprise you, right? So, but if you aren't really willing to learn and, and if you kind of pitch yourself in like, hey, I'm a junk bond guy or I'm a, you know, 
convert with that guy, or I, I'm, you know, I'm just complete early stage, you know, venture. Or, you know, if you put yourself in, I'm, I'm telecom. If you put yourself in a box, you are limiting so much potential. So, you know, I just stayed open and it's hard to do, right? But I had, I was pitched this opportunity on um, stem cell technology, started in Australia. This is like late nineties. Um, no, not late nineties. Um, this was early, um, early 2000s, like 2018, 2019. And um, no, 2009, I'm sorry, 2008, 2009, um, I was pitching technology. I was 28 years old. I remember seeing a video of like, what's now PRP, which I can, it's so basic, but I was like blood, I can sell anything, but I just don't get it. And they were persistent. They were doing some stuff in human side. There was an animal side opportunity and said, fuck it, let's, let's take it. And I threw like 150 grand in it. And that 150 grand turned into a million. And then all of a sudden, to protect my investment, I either had management I loved or I needed to be fucking management. And that's, I think every entrepreneur can speak to this, right? Hey, sometimes you need that leader. And I was forced to be because I, if I wanted to protect my investment, I needed to learn. So we launched the world's first, you know, adipose drive, vascular fraction, um, stem cell kit for veterinarians. And it's all around today. Um, I've, I've sold that company. I took it public. I took it private, made a lot of money transactionally for a biotech company. I have no medical or health background, but it's, you know, you hear Jamie Foxx, right? I was like, you know, it gets, and I'm not comparing myself because I can't sing, dance or anything, but <laughs> you, you remember like Jamie does these, does these interviews fucking so good and he like breaks out into tune and shit, but it's about his grandmother, how he fucking, uh, how he, how she raised him to just do like, hey, you need to sing at church, right? And then play the piano and like all these things that she kind of like really Im embedded him. And then I think he was, he was talking about this in, you know, when he did, um, uh, what's the movie? Um, Jane movie, Ray Charles, when he, when he did Ray, um, when he did Ray, that that was like a tool belt that he had built when he was a little kid from his grandma. He had no fucking clue he was doing it. You know, I know how to sell, but me just saying yes, you know, building that built a tool belt. That I had no idea that it was going to be able to take me to understanding what a bioactive peptide is and macrophages and cell signaling and a paracrine effect. I had to learn that to talk to a vet. Fast forward, now I'm in human health and doing, you know, um, integrative health and, and age management and how I threw myself into that and, you know, force yourself to kind of be an exit to now we've got one of the largest epigenetic um, data companies in the world. Um, and looking at DNA methylation and talking with the, I mean, it's, you, you can't write it, which is why the book's called Without a Plan, because there's no, you couldn't, if I told you there was a plan, you'd just say I'm a fucking liar, because the path to get here is, there's not one line that kind of correlates, but it's just that willingness to openness to kind of see what's on that other side. And, and I think that's what's, uh, what's built it. And it's, I think, ingrained in the fact that, look, there's going to be good times and bad times. And, you know, but don't, don't hang up, because when things are awesome and great, it's, something's going to come, right? But you can get through either, right? When you can get through the bad times knowing that they're not forever, just like the good times aren't. Yeah, absolutely. What do you feel like is kind of your superpower as a, as a CEO, as an investor that you feel like a lot of people are missing that really if they were to just refine or, or sharpen that part of their toolkit, they'd see a lot more success? This is a great question. And this is like good for like your audience as well, because we talked a lot about the me shit and that's a hustle. Like I've done this business, that business, whatever, but yeah. If you want to have a real business, the company I got offered 700 million for, like you don't, you do, you have those type of numbers and those types of exits when you don't matter. Right. And the only way you don't matter is when you have fucking great teams, great leadership and great processes. Right. That's, the, that's the only time that happens. So that is a skill set that you have to learn. If you're, if you're running that 10, $20 million business and like you're making a couple million dollars a year, cool. You're fine. To go to pull down, you know, a million a month, 20, you know, they, to make real, real money, you need to be able to have that level of scale and it needs to be you removing it. And that's hard for so many people, but I know, and that my team knows, right? You know, that I'm really good at a lot of stuff. Some of my shit, my team probably rolls my, I know, I know early, early team, they would roll their eyes. Now they're like, fuck, he's going to figure it out somehow. So just fucking back him, right? Because like, I don't want to be, I don't be laughed at it wrong when he's right again, but you kind of get them through. But the biggest piece is communication. And everyone is not like you. And that's a good thing, right? Because if you've got a room full of entrepreneur, hard charging people, you'd have all kinds of shit, but not, no one's actually going to do anything, right? So you have to surround yourself with the people that can help make your vision 
uh, a reality. But that's oftentimes, you know, the rah-rah, big picture, big vision stuff is, is there, but you have to learn that communication, right? So whether that's Myers-Briggs, we use disc assessments uh, in, in our piece um, to really understand how you communicate with, with people because it really works. It's scary how, how well it works. And then depending on where you are in business scale, I know, you know, one of my companies, we were growing, we got over to 150 employees. I like to, I'm a personable guy. I'm, I just like to you know, chat, talking. I'm very, very social. I'm extroverted. I know a lot of entrepreneurs are kind of introverted, but I'm super social. But I'm not great with names at all anyway, much less like you start getting into those numbers where you've got you know, a couple hundred employees. Um, then you all of a sudden, you, it takes longer to hear the problem right? You've got now departments and department heads that are like this, you know, shipping logistics is upset. The fuck for, right? But you don't hear, but if you're in a small business, 20 people, you know, all your shit, right? You know, everything's going on, fix, 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 fix. But you have now this fucking toxicity that's building in shipping and logistics. I'm just making stuff up, but shipping logistics, because, well, I'll give you one actually. So um, this is actually true. I'll go be shipping. Shipping logistics is, you know, um, had the shits and like productivity was going down and whatever. And lo and behold, it was, they wanted like another refrigerator or something fucking dumb in the break room. But like, they'll never come up to the manager. Like, oh, do I talk to the manager? They'll damn sure never talk to me, right? Or the leader of the company because that, that's too, uh, it's, they're complaining, whatever. Dude, it's a fucking thousand dollar refrigerator. Done, easy, it's in there tomorrow. So what I did, so this is a good, maybe, you know, actionable tip is I had our dev team uh, create just like a, an intranet and it was just a almost you can probably you can, I mean this was before, this was years ago so you can probably use Jotform now I guess um, but I made it an internet where it could say department you know which was optional if you want to do there what's your you know question comment or or recommendation or complaint was and um, that was it there was it didn't trace IPs you could do it from home you could do it wherever it was it was completely anonymous you could put your name if you wanted to but um, that was it and I did those once once a month. Month one, he was like, dude, Jeremy, why are you bald? Right? Fucking, I mean, it was like, it was some stupid shit, right? But I fucking read every one because it was a test. Like, it was, does he really care about me? Or is he, is he, is he going to like, oh, listen, everyone, so this is a great space. Like, if you're going to cherry pick, then no, but you start reading all this, like, this is fucking like, oh, like, why is he doing this? And I just read every single one. By month, month two, it fills up. By month three, it was all really good shit. And it was because, I put the refrigerator in. I did this. And then some things like, hey, you don't know. Because you also don't know, like, and we, we struggle with communication as leaders. Like, hey, this is where we're going in three years. Maybe your line guys don't know that. And maybe they don't need to know that. But if they have that question, you need to at least give them reassurance that this is, there's a reason and a method to why we're going down this path, right? Yeah. Um, and that's so simple, but it's communication. But you lose that just by nature of being a large corporation. And again, going in and giving your, one-to-many approach of, you know, it, it's good and it's good for morale, but it actually doesn't solve problems. And then you give them now a voice. So they're a, you know, $15 an hour shipper or a $250,000 pharmacist. It gives them a voice that's, you know, oh, I can hide myself. I'm not here in anonymity. And like, and they're actually feeling heard. You make your team feel heard and then really rally behind you then you're fucking unstoppable. Then they'll lay down. I mean, that, that's when you really have, you know, you talk about culture, you know, that's what you need to do in order to have, uh, have that type of culture. And we talk about that a lot. I mean, that's what uh, most of my coaching is about is how to communicate, lo losing those types of things, you know, having a smart, you know, I don't like smart goals, but having uh, this one page plan concept that I took um, from a company I exited to um, just getting everyone on the same page. It's all breeds down into communication and, What's our mission-driven approach and how do we do it all together? And why are we fucking doing it? Not just yeah. to make me get more cars, right? In terms of, you know, what you would say, seeing you've been a part of, you know, seven, eight, nine-figure businesses, what is the differences or similarities that allow you to transition from one stage to the next? Like, why do people get stuck at that seven-figure mark and they just... They can't break through to eight or why do the eight figure businesses really struggle to get to that, you know, that, that nine figure mark. Are you interested in boosting your income by an extra $50,000 this year? If so, you're going to love what I've got in store for you. I am beyond excited to officially announce an incredible opportunity to join me 
in my exclusive mastermind, which will include myself and 25 other hand-selected investors who are actively pursuing commercial real estate in 2024 and want to be held accountable to making sure they buy their first or their next commercial real estate investment property that will net them a minimum of $50,000 a year. This mastermind group will not only teach you how to do that, how to find, how to analyze, how to structure and buy these types of commercial real estate investment properties, but you'll also have an opportunity to be a part of an intimate group of high achievers that are going to take your network and your resources to a whole nother level. But here's the catch. Like I mentioned before, this is exclusive. We're only selecting 25 ambitious individuals for our founding members group who are serious and ready to take that next step in their commercial real estate investing journey. So if you are ready to increase your passive income by at least $50,000 in the next year with commercial real estate investing, then this is your moment. These spaces are gonna fill up fast, and trust me, this is the one and only time to be a founding member, which comes with some pretty special benefits. So head over to myfirst50k.com and submit your application now. Again, that's myfirst50k.com. You can head over there, check out the program, see everything that it entails, submit your application to join, and I can't wait to connect with you soon. So, um, Part of it is, uh, is processes, right? There's, there's, and often, oftentimes it's both. I think, you know, I don't like talking about mindset, but there's a component of that. But I think part of it is ourselves, right? We, we, we program ourselves into this is what's good. This is what's comfortable. And like, Hey, this is good. And I, and I built something. And a lot of times, especially for first or second time founders, like, Oh fuck. But it's, that's why they, that's why they exit. And that's why private equity and venture exists because like, they're just fucking shit scared. They, they, I, when I do coaching, I don't do, like, I mean, again, I charge a lot of money for it, but there's no secret sauce, right? I go through like, hey, tell me what's going on. You oftentimes have the answer in there, right? I know, okay, well, how can we go and go deeper as opposed to wider, right? That's usually the easiest one. Like, hey, let's just go to our customers and like sell them another premium product or, or an upsell, like, kind of go through and go deeper in that wallet share. But um, it just, oh, will they pay for it? Will they go through? Well, I don't know. Let's, let's go out there and, and just take the claim. So a big part of it is ourselves that I'm here, I'm comfortable. And do I deserve more? Should I have more? Like, this is already more money than I have. And like, and I could ever think of, but there's such an, another level out there, right? That's why PE exists because people get scared and like, hey, okay, we'll let the adults take handle from here. The other piece is the actual logistics and the processes, right? You know, you have to be able to, you know, after $10 million, you can't be doing it all, right? Um, yeah. And you shouldn't want to be, right? But so many people do. And you hear that, oh, well, if I just, if, if it's easy for me to do it, that's fucking just bullshit, right? Like it's, you're lazy, right? You need to build a system, a process, or a, or a team or all of the above in order to be able to, uh, um, to take it that next level. So that's more the strategic stuff that I do. It's like, hey, what are we going to go for? Um, and then what's our goals? Like this one page plan thing that I do as an audit, it just gets granular. But you can only pick two or three growth components, which fucking sucks for me as a guy that has a hundred fucking ideas. Yeah, right. But I'm my own fucking worst enemy, right? I will fucking just bing, 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 bing. Like, and like how I come in the office, I don't come in the office that much because like, dude, shut the fuck up, dude. Just let us, let us come up with your last three great ideas and do that. And then we'll fucking pick up your next three. So that gives you, and you have this like parking lot. It's like, cool. All right, now we have a decision to make. Which one is the coolest idea? We're going to work on three. That's it. You want to sub out? cool, we, we can sub out, but it keeps you that discipline of like, all right, we are all aligned. This is the vision of the company. We all buy into this in October and November. And then January 1, we, we roll it out. When you're looking at the landscape today, what are you investing in? Where do you see the biggest opportunities? Where do you see the biggest money flowing? Where's your money flowing? Yeah, I'm a big real estate guy. Uh, well, I shouldn't say I'm a, I'm a big fan of real estate. I'm not a big real estate guy, um, but I'm I just keep I'm trying to buy. I mean, I just closed one deal of uh, commercial development um, at six and a half percent. Any fucking interest rates, I think, are awesome, right? Because it's it's pulling out the people that either don't have the balls or the the liquidity to carry that type of stuff, right? I mean, it was everyone was a developer, everyone was a uh, um, in real estate for a while. So I think this has created a bit of a shift in the market where it's, it's creating some good opportunity. I'm a big lump guy. So I usually kind of, you know, have an exit, sell this, do the, have a big hit. 
And I try to create everything where I take money. And even though I've kind of been able to make it rain for 22 years, I don't believe that I always will have that ability. That's what I tell myself anyway. So I always just try and say, cool, I need this much money a month to live. Well, fucking you better go and have an asset that's paying you that much. Then all the other stuff that you make it rain, you just throw it more into that. And then your lifestyle kind of grows from there. So that's my strategy is just getting more passive type investments. Um, and I like, you know, I like real estate and I've done pretty well in it. Um, and then, you know, so I'm, I'm putting most of the money there. Um, we made a, a pretty decent bet in this epigenetic company um, in 2020. Um, like we, la- yeah, we launched in July. So like two months after COVID. Um, and the business is going to be, I think it's going to do all right. I think we did a million the first year, uh, three, um, no, uh, million four we'll do about 15 this year. And we have spent $0 on marketing. Wow. Um, so yeah, so we're excited to see what that can do. And this is the data that we're getting and, and the collaborations. I mean, you know, Yale, we're just publishing a say that it could be a nature weather, nature weather, worthy paper. Um, uh, with Harvard, I mean, I, IP from Duke. So a lot of really cool, exciting things that um, I'm, I'm excited about. So, uh, and let me back up. So, so I'm investing in a lot of real estate. So I was, um, so anyway, I, don't know how, I don't know how many people watch your show versus just listen to it. But if you can't listen to it, um, I'm a beautiful, long, waving hair guy. And, uh, <laughs> um, but I've had my own health journey. So I talked about the stem cell company. I got an integrative health. I look like a really um, you hear fat cat investor guys, I was 315 pounds. Um, not a good 315. Uh, I was just a big fat kind. And, you know, I was the head of this pharmacy that was selling anti-aging, integrative health, HRT, et cetera. I'm like, how can you be the CEO? I was the CEO because I, I, I bankrolled it. And I had my own health journey and I lost 70 pounds in like two months, which you shouldn't do. I'm, I, as you can kind of get from my uh, my vibes, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of a little extreme on something. So I don't recommend doing exactly what I did, but that was what Shane, six, seven years, seven years ago. Yeah. Six years ago. And I'm still probably the healthiest I've, I've ever in my life. Right. So, you know, I'm now 225, 235, um, lean and, and now I'm tearing stuff cause I'm 43. So like muscles are still good, but the tendons start to, to code. But I, I had this, this huge epiphany of like, wow, this is phenomenal. I'm going to change my life. I'm so healthy. Then it turned to anger and I was kind of pissed off because like I had means to do this shit, but I wasn't aware. Like this was like, you know, why did I hear about this from my regular GP or whatever? I actually wrote off doctors because I thought they were full of shit. And I still do think most of them are. So it, it created this anger to like, you can either get angry about it or fucking trying to change it. So we've, I've sold this other company, but we did like a integrative health telemedic medicine company that I started, founded and sold called Live Health, um, where you can now get, the type of therapy that you know every A-list celebrity that used to be clients of ours um, for a few hundred bucks a month. So that's where I'm really, that's my passion is like, how do we fix, you know, our fuck system, right? How we are health-wise, because that's the hugest cause where we, where we are, um, at least in this country, you know, the healthcare cost per capita versus any other country in the fucking world, including third world is crazy. So um, now with uh, this company, True, that, that we founded, um, I think we're going to make a little bit of money, which kind of capitalist. So that's fucking good. But I think we're also going to make a pretty good impact too, because what we can learn from this, you know, this, you know, this methylation risk scores and, and, and what's happening, you know, with our epigenetics, which are modifiable, not just your genetics, um, is really, really powerful and exciting for the future of medicine. So, um, so that's where I'm spending a lot of my money and time is, is those two pieces. And then, yeah, I, this coaching podcast stuff, I just like doing it and it's good for me for deal flow, to be honest with you. We just yeah. funded, I funded a deal, um, called walkthrough plans, um, uh, that was pitched. Um, and I said, yeah, let's do it. So I took a big chunk of that business, which is like projecting plans on a one-to-one scale, like in this big, big warehouse. So, um, and sometimes I don't always invest in deals, but I've, I've got enough battle scars and bullet wounds to fucking, you know, hopefully spare some other people those things. Right. So I, I feel like it's almost, yeah, I mean, I need to charge a little bit for my time, but it's like, I feel like it's a bit of a, like a, you're obligated to help someone out when they go through it. So that's fun for me. So I think that's my little kind of piece of giving back a little bit and uh, um, having fun with it. So you talked a little bit about um, 
peptides. I know you're big into health. I've heard more and more people talking about that, but it's, it's, I feel like it's starting to become a little bit more mainstream. What are your, what are your thoughts on that? And, you know, what, what does that world look like, you know, from your perspective going forward? So, I mean, I'm, I'm a bit jaded, right? Um, so, you know, we, that $700 million that I mentioned, um, that I turned down, we ended up, I ended up selling the company for about 1% of that, sort of like 7 million, 6 million, um, a few months later, because, you know, with peptides is a bastardized term first, um, insulin is a peptide, right? So uh, peptide is, 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 since is, is only a branch of several amino acid chains, right? It could be two amino acids or, um, you know, two, 200, right. Depending on what it is, those, those are, that's what's considered as a peptide. Um, the therapeutic component, um, is what's really exciting about them, right? So there are, pep- there's a peptide for nearly anything, right? There's, there's peptides. The biggest one right now that's FDA approved. That's like crazy. And we started doing this 10, nah, seven years ago and now it's mainstream. And again, I'm not, I'm, I'm sold out, I'm out of that space completely. Um, but it's semaglutide or Ozempic, right? If, you, if you've heard of that, it's like yep. the weight loss drug. Like we we had that shit seven years ago. Um, it's just not going to have to approve. So, you know, I was laughing. Like, I think Kimmel made a joke about it in the, at the Oscars. I mean, it's so mainstream now, but that's a peptide. Um, and the cool part about, so that peptide specifically is, has a lot of orthomolecular, or no, um, Nordo Nordisk owns that um, IP and is defending it intimately. The problem with, integrative health and, and mainly peptide therapy is a majority of these peptides um, are 20 plus years old, right? So there's peptides like CJC epimorelin, um, I which just came off a of patent, um, melanotin one, melanotin two for, you know, uh, uh, PT-141 for um, sexual, there's a ton, there's just every use you could kind of think of. There's, there are applications with peptides, but they're 20, 30 years old. So they've already been published, right? A lot of them are from Russia, what have you. So they find themselves in this proverbial no man's land, right? Because you're not going to take them down an FDA approval pathway for $2 billion because you have no IP protection. Um, you either get them from the dark web or like what our pharmacy was doing was using a bit of a loophole um, under compounding, which has been, we got closed on doing it. But now I think when we, when we disbanded ours and we stopped doing it, 20 other people started. Um, so. I think it's the future is, is um, I think looking better than I, th- I think it was a little bit ago because there's so much, there's gotta be a better way. Right. And I think with consumers now and consumers being patients, you know, we are, we're, we're tasking and charging with, um, okay, where is my beef coming from? Right. Oh, it's grass fed. It's organic. Like we consumers are demanding much more. Where my mom, who I love and taking to the, to the races this weekend, um, oh, I went to the doctor and got a shot. Like a fucking shot of what? Right? There's like this, this, mm-hmm. this iron guy of like, well, I went to the doctor and he, like he said, he's got a fucking iPad that's like WebMD Pro. That's what he's got, right? So you can either go through that or people like you and I, or especially different demographics, they're challenging. Well, why is this my course of action? Mm-hmm. Well, talk to me about this. They're looking at Google. They're, they're, they're kind of doing their own investigation. So I think with that, knowledge becomes power. And my hope is um, the U.S. will do like similar to Australia. That's what we thought would happen, that U.S. would you know, either regulate these drugs more or you know, control them, make them control substances and have, have better things. But there just needs to be more done with it um, than our you know, antiquated FDA process, which I'm kind of jaded on because I, I, I ended up paying fines, took a charge and paid $2 million. So I'm fucking jaded and we did things wrong. So I have full disclosure on that. But I think the more people are researching and taking their health in, into consideration. Yeah. That's, that's where it starts. And it's all about information, right? What we're doing with epigenetics to learn about who you are. Like you, you may benefit or not benefit from a calorie restricted diet. Like yep. what, you, what do you eat? Some sort of mobility, exercise, like all those things, mental meditation, you know, it just consume yourself with it. Um, and I think we've already started that. And I think that's for me as a far, um, yeah, I probably could have, you know, exited because I, I turned it down because I was going to make a billion. And I just wanted to do it, right? Um, and yeah, so maybe I, I wish that that would have licked for me. But if I'm true in my mission that I want to see this health revolution happen um, from afar now, I think it's, I think it is. Any regrets on turning that offer down? Nah, I'd do it again. Um, Shane was in here, uh, actually, because Shane's my film guy. He's been with me um, for six years. 
Like, I remember coming to you. I don't know if you remember saying, like, I came to you, like, dude, yeah, I fucking fucking pump. He's like, why are you so pumping? Like, fucking just turns down 700 million. He's like, what? He's like, what do you, what do you mean? Um, like, you're fucking sick, right? I'm like, nah, it's fucking awesome, right? And to me, it's like, dude, if I turn, because I'm just like, again, I, I, everything's a fucking mental game theory with me. Like, fuck, because if I just told him to fuck themselves on 700, you know, we're on a rocket ship. Six months are coming back and I'm getting a billy. And that's all I wanted. Because the difference between 700 and a billion, no, there's, it's immaterial, right? It's immaterial yeah. um, at that level, right? But you're in rare air when you hit that dude. So that's, that's why I did it. I literally cried. <laughs> <laughs> so, that, that's the difference between uh, certain people, right? In terms of, you know, just built for that risk and that entrepreneurship and, and others that are looking at us going you're out of your mind, man. I'll, yeah. I'll take 10 milli for that. I'll be happy with the six milli, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So as you know, you are looking forward and you're looking at, you know, the investing world, the economy, the, the, the global dynamics, you know, what are, what are some of the things that you, Jeremy, are paying attention to that you're excited about and, you know, that you're a, a little bit concerned about or, you know, you're looking to maybe hedge on? Yeah, I mean... The recession that's here or not here, it's coming, you know, I yeah. think I, I don't tend to, um, a buddy of mine from Australia, like he, he said it best, like that's, I, that's, you know, someone else is having an election. Someone else is having inflation. I just don't play into it because it's so much more emotional. Like when you have, you know, these, you know, recessionary components, there's no difference in the money supply. It's consumer confidence. So you got this vast portion that just, they aren't buying houses. They're not buying coffee. Not, that, that, that's all it is, is a consumer confidence. There's no more or less scarcity of money. Um, it's just pure emotion. So I don't believe you should base your logic on that. You should be aware of that if you're selling something that, hey, they may be more adverse to this higher ticket price or that higher ticket price. But um, I try not to even worry about that. We're going to be in an election season next year. Cool. You know, it's indifferent. Well, if, if a Republican gets in, is it going to, Help me better tax. Yeah, probably. But if it doesn't, I'm still fucking here. I'm still doing okay with Biden, right? Um, could be doing better, but um, I just don't try not to have that affect me. Um, backing up to what I'm excited about is super curious. I think AI is, I mean, it's a buzzword that's bastardized now. Mm -hmm. um, and everyone's a guru on it, but I'm really looking at it because I think, you know, I think it, it could be like the internet. Um, right? Boom, again, it, it, with opportunity. It, it really can be, yeah. And, and, and on a on a very siloed, focused component, right? I think that's what people are doing. Like, I think right now the approach is like AI yeah, does everything, and like, yeah, I think we're so, some way from there. But just on what it can do um, for your business, right? And or for a new business that you're thinking like AI can solve a lot of problems. Um, so I'm really early stages at looking at trying to learn that. I'm probably making an investment in a deal that I mentioned earlier. Yep. Um, still diligencing it, but um, that's really super exciting. It's also fucking scary, right? It's uh, it's really scary. I mean, I saw a, a meme or something the other day, like had a guy with a video camera and a helicopter and just talks about technology, right? And like, and then it showed a fucking DJI $400 drone. I'm like this fucking drone put the pilot and that fucking camera guy out of a bit, out of a job. Yeah. So um, yeah. So I think for a lot less money. Um, so it's scary too. And I think you, you hear, you hear Elon and some of these guys, like you can't put the genie back in the, in the, in the bottle, like it's out. Right. And it's going to kind of go through, but I don't think the world's going to end. And I don't think anything like that's going to happen. It's just like the internet was scary for people too. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, I think that's, that's super exciting. Um, and just trying to figure out how you can leverage it to use your business. I don't think you're going to be able to start a business and have it run completely, but I think you can, you know, streamline processes and those types of things. Uh, leveraging it. Well, Jeremy, brother, it has been amazing chatting with you on your journey and, and getting your insight on, on so many great things. I know a lot of people are going to want to, you know, check out what you got going on. People might have a deal that they want to run by you that they yeah. want to, you know, pitch to you. What's the best place for people to get the book to check out, you know, what you got going on to send a deal over? How can they get a hold of you? Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> I don't know how to work Facebook, but I've got like a couple of thousand. So face, uh, Instagram is probably the best way or LinkedIn. Uh, message me on one of those. It's uh, Jeremy S. Delk on both of those. Uh, website's jeremydelk.com. And then the book is everywhere. Um, Barnes & Noble, Amazon, walmart.com, Audible. I did um, 
Audible is cool. I stole a, a page out of David Goggins' book. Um, nice. And the fact that I, 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 they, they begged me to read it. And I fucking just couldn't. It was just, it's like, it's eight hours. It's a long book. It's not like a typical, like, you know, small, small book that these guys put out. But um, so I, I, we had a, the, the um, publisher had a proper um, narrator do the book. But we did, if you listen to Goggins. Um, Podcast we, style we, after the chapters. Exactly, which was really cool. So I, I did the intro, you hear stuff, but you kind of get some behind the scenes stuff, which that was fun for me because I was able to like, yeah, well, let me tell you back to this backstory. So I did that. So um, uh, so yeah, so check it out on Audible. I'm, I'm kind of, that's, that's the most fun. We just launched out one a couple months ago. Well, we'll have all the links in the show notes. Jeremy Delk's episode at millionermindcast.com. Jeremy, thanks for coming on the show, brother. Thanks, brother. Cheers. Well, that wraps up this week's episode. Hopefully you guys enjoyed that interview. And if you did, all I ask is that you take two minutes and leave a review in iTunes, where by doing so, you're also gonna get entered in to win a $100 gift card. Don't forget to share this episode out with somebody else that may need to hear it or may get some value from what was talked about in today's interview. And for those of you who are really looking to accelerate your wealth building journey, you wanna unlock more financial freedom, you wanna get more time back, or maybe you just wanna level up your life, your business, your finances, be sure to head over to MillionaireMindcast.com and check out all the amazing products and resources that we have for our Millionaire Mindcast family, whether that's one-on-one -on -one coaching with me, mastermind events, downloads and checklists, the Rich Life Planner for those of you looking to take your goal setting and productivity to the next level. We've got all kinds of great, valuable tools. So be sure to check those out at MillionaireMindcast.com. And last but not least, if you're not on my weekly text letter and you want to be the first to know of exclusive updates and offers in addition to behind the scenes access to a lot of the stuff that I'm doing that I'm investing in, be sure to join by texting the word notes to 844-447-1555. With that being said, thanks for listening today. Until next time, keep investing in yourself and your wealth on your march to a million and beyond. Cheers, my friends. <laughs>